Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson. And Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today, we are going to share all about the ideal beginning of the year checklist that will help save your sanity at the start of the school year, which we all know is a super crazy time. Yes, absolutely. But first, let's hear a TSH from Taylor. Taylor says, my TSH is my perfectionism. I'm sure you both can relate. I want my lessons, my strategies, and of course the classroom to be perfect. So I spend way too long on things in the big picture I know don't even matter. I'm a first year teacher, so I know I have a lot to learn about being okay with just okay, especially after this year being my first year's experience. For example, when cleaning up my classroom this year, I wanted everything to be Pinterest perfect and organized for my sanity next year. So I spent forever organizing my teacher desk and my student supplies. However, spending quality time with my students and creating an unforgettable end of the year was also a priority. I love how you guys preach balance and I know I need this not just with work life, but also within teaching itself. I love your idea of time blocking, but how do you decide that what thing deserves what amount of time in everything teaching? Taylor, I felt this in my soul. (laughs) I am a huge perfectionist, which obviously y'all know by now, but it's something I'm trying to work on because I've realized it doesn't always serve me well. It can help me be very organized, which is great, but it can also hold me back from actually being productive because I don't get things done efficiently. One saying that I've had to remind myself of a lot is done is better than perfect. There are very few things in my life that are permanent, especially when it comes to organization or decoration. You can always go back and you can make changes. So I've tried to focus on getting a like first draft, if you will, (laughs) completed. So it's at least done. And then I can go back later when I have the time or I have the energy and actually make it perfect or my idea of perfect. Now, sometimes I have the first draft done and then I'm like, it's not even important for me to go back and change it. So if I feel it's important, I'll go back and try to make it perfect. If not, I just let it go. Yeah, Taylor, I can feel you. Like whenever you were talking about this, I'm like, yep, I remember being that perfectionist my first year teaching as well. Um, But you know what? I feel like this is something that as time passes in your career, I really do believe that you might begin to kind of learn how to let certain things go. I mean, Michelle, did you learn how to let certain things go as a teacher? Oh yeah. Picking my battles. (laughs) And you were very much a perfectionist. Like I feel like me, I'm not. I'm not that perfectionist. I'm just like, I just want to get her done to the point where it works and move on with my life. But I do think Michelle is that. And so if Michelle, the perfectionist, is sitting here saying that things will slowly just start to kind of go away, it does happen. (laughs) But teaching kindergarten my first four years definitely made me realize that perfectionism is not something that I could have in my vocabulary, to be honest. Like I was that teacher that was cutting things out for my kids because I wanted it to look perfect. I stopped doing that very quickly in my teaching. Um, And you have to remember teaching is messy and you have to take things with just a grain of salt. So I always recommend to teachers to focus on the basics and build from there. So I know you're probably sitting here saying, but how do I focus on those basics and do that? And this is where it's all about self-discipline and Um, really making sure that you're creating goals to achieve those goals first without taking it too far, of course. And then just kind of continue that as you move along in your career. 
I really like that you related it to self-discipline. I think that's a good reminder for all of us that it's something that you have to ultimately control. Yeah. So previously in episode 071, the ideal end of the year checklist to save your sanity, Bridget and I broke down categories and some individual like to-do items that you had to complete at the end of the year. We know that having an actual checklist makes you far more productive because you know exactly how to spend your time. So we've decided to continue this series by sharing our beginning of the year checklist because we know how crazy the beginning of the year can be and we want you to be able to feel a little bit less stressed. We're hoping to take away some of that stress for you. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be breaking this down um, by the beginning of the year, like into categories. So if you're wanting to follow along with us on how to make your beginning of the year a breeze, you can head over to our website, um, teachingonthedouble.com and check out our digital teacher planner over there. This planner comes with a completed beginning of the year checklist that allows room to grow and customize based on your needs. So the good thing is, is that we've done the bulk of the work for you over on our teacher digital planner. So be sure to head over there, grab your planner, and then follow along with us in this episode. All right, let's start by reviewing the categories we are going to be covering before we go into depth in each one. So if you're taking notes, you might want to jot these down and kind of leave space underneath to take notes for each category. The first category is general name tags. Then we have student materials, teacher materials, classroom setup, assessment materials, parent information, and paperwork. Now, when you listen to podcasts, there's the little button where you can like go back by like 30 seconds. So you can do that, but I'm also gonna read it one more time. General name tags, student materials, teacher materials, classroom setup, assessment materials, parent information, and paperwork. Okay, so we're gonna jump into the very first category, which is the general name tags. So general name tags refers to the locations in your classrooms where your students may have to have their names visible. Do not get this confused with student materials. That's something totally different, okay? These items in the general name tags are things that you kind of can think of that you use year after year. So to give you some examples, this might be book bins, um, cubbies, name tags. These are things that you're going to use that you know students are going to have, but it's not necessarily a material for them to complete assignments in. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So these are things that you personally are labeling. And these are things that you're like, always going to have in your classroom, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I think of book bins. Like, I know some people have, like, the paper book bins. Mine were always plastic, but that's Mm -hmm. something that I have to have out. And I know, like, my mailbox system, I have to have name tags on it. It's those kind of items. Yeah, and I know some of you listening are already like, okay, I can't label those until I have my student roster and I don't get that right away. I feel you, okay? I would typically not get my final roster until just a few days before the school year starts. So these were not items I could prep far in advance. But I have a little solution for you. I would keep this checklist of all the items, which again, the full list is in our digital planner, teachonthedouble.com slash store. <laughs> and 
by having that list, as soon as I got the roster, I could literally just plug in the names and print. I was ready to go. So here's the hack for you. If you keep all of these files, so for example, your file of your name tag templates, your file of your book bin templates, because typically they're different sizes, right? Yeah. So I would create all of mine in Google Slides, but you can use PowerPoint or whatever other format you want to use. Keep them all in a single folder on Google Drive. So I have a beginning of the year folder in Google Drive. And within that folder, I would have a folder for specific items that had to have student names. That way, when I got my roster, I would literally open that folder and then I would just type the names into each of those different files and then I would for, I would print them out. This would really help me not forget anything. So it's not like, oh, I printed the name tags, but I forgot to do the locker tags. They were all in the same spot. So this is a way to kind of minimize and like make you feel like you don't have as much work to do because it's all like in one place. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's me this year, Michelle, because we haven't gotten our student rosters because we don't really know what the year is going to look like, <laughs> to be honest. So yeah. I don't have anything right now, although I have a pretty good idea of who I'm going to get inside of my classroom because I'm multi-age, so I'm spoiled in that sense. But still, I if you, all you teachers out there, I am finally understanding what it feels like. <laughs> So um, so one of the things that you could possibly do is if you have access to your classroom and you're sitting here thinking, but I don't really know what are all the general name tags in order to kind of prep for this. One thing you can do is if you can go into your classroom, just walk around your classroom, just do a lap and then have like a notepad and just write down all of the little areas that you're like, oh yeah, they need to have their names on this and on this and on this. That's going to make it to where you're just jogging your memory, even if things are not out in your classroom. Um, and something else that you could do is if you're like me and you take pictures of your classroom that, so that you know exactly where everything needs to go, I like to do that because it just kind of tells me, oh, this is what this area looked like, so I'm not trying to re reinvent the wheel every year, that you can just look at your pictures and be able to kind of find some idea lists from there. Now, last thing on this is to keep in mind that you do not have to have your names printed on your name tags. So if you want to kind of skip that step and save some time, go ahead and create those labels, have them printed out, and either you can write them in if you have uber really beautiful handwriting, you can do that, or you can have your students write it in if you are willing to kind of look at that. So it really just depends on you and your preference as a teacher. Yeah, that's a great way to save time because we have a lot to do at the beginning of the yeah. year. The next category is student materials. So Bridget already mentioned this category and how it was different from like student name tags. So student materials are the materials that students will actually be responsible for. And it's those items that they're basically taking to and from school. These are items you're not going to reuse year after year because they're like disposable. So for example, folders, notebooks, pencil pouches. Keep in mind, you may be providing students with these materials or students may be bringing them from home, depending on how your school or district kind of handle student supplies. To get a jump start on this, offline gathering these materials for the beginning of the year, you can start by creating piles of all of the materials that you're going to be handing out to students. This doesn't mean that you will necessarily give them all of their materials at the beginning of the year, but it helps to ensure that you have everything versus feeling as though you're rushing during the school year to be able to prepare them. So you can use Michelle's previous advice on having all of these uh, labels ready and then just add the names as you go um, and then just kind of slap the label and 
and then pass it out to your students. So that way you're feeling a little bit more prepped and organized. Yeah. Now, speaking of like actually labeling the items, I've done this a lot of different ways. I have collected all of the notebooks and folders from my students and labeled them myself. Huge time sucking hurdles, zero out of 10, do not recommend. I have passed out the labels to my students and had them label them. Huge mistake because my students made so many mistakes. They'd put the wrong label on the folder or they'd put it on the back instead of the front or they'd put the label upside down. And that just like stressed me out. So the best way I have found to get them all labeled is to create a system. I would give students something independent to work on. So something where they could be at their desk and they're just going to town on it. Meanwhile, I would sit at my back table and I would call a few students at a time to come back to where I was sitting and I had the labels. They would just bring like the notebook or the folder. So I would say, all right, bring your red folder back. So they'd come back with their red folder. I would stick the label on that way. I made sure it was on the front and it was right side up and it was on the right folder because sometimes kids would come back with like a yellow folder. I'm like, no, sweetheart red folder, like go back to your seat, ketchup and mustard. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just said that, but regardless, then to save time, instead of me writing their name on the label or even printing the labels, I would then have the students move on to the end of the table where I had a pile of Sharpies and they would grab a Sharpie and they would write their name on the label. So this helped to really speed up the process, but also ensure that it was being done properly. Oh, that's a really good advice. I really like that a lot. I um, feel like we could play like a this or that type of game with a ton of teachers because I know for me, I didn't have to do any of that. You know what I mean? Because like our school purchases all of the materials for students. Like they don't have to purchase school supplies here, which is interesting. So we already have everything ready to go. And even in Alabama, we had like a back to school, but it was like at the beginning like before school had even started where parents would bring supplies in Mm. and they would sort it for me. So I had these big brown grocery bags and they would sort them for me. And then I could just pull the grocery bag and then just take all the items out and label them really fast. So I really like that tip if I ever have to do that. (laughs) I never had that luxury. Our students always brought in their own supplies. On the first day of school. Essentially, yeah. We would have a meet the teacher night like a couple days prior and some students would bring their supplies, but I would still have three-fourths of my class the day of like showing up with backpacks and they're like, what do I do with all this? I'm like, just stick it in your desk. We'll get to it later. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Um, Okay. So let's jump into the next category, which is going to be teacher materials. So these materials are all the things that you need to get off on the right foot at the beginning of the school year. So these items are your first week of school plans, your website and account information, important dates, all of those items that will help you in being proactive at the start of a very busy school year. So you really have to think about what are those items that you need to have to ensure that all of your responsibilities are being upheld. Now I'm going to plug our digital planner because I truly feel like it is the perfect solution to keeping all of these materials and all of this information organized. In our planner, we have pages for lesson plans. We have pages for account information and important dates and more. So I love to get my planner set up as early as I can. We usually get our school calendar of like which days we're gonna have off and all that jazz before the previous school year ends. So I can actually get all of my dates inputted into the year overview and the monthly calendars and the weekly planning pages like before the previous school year even ends. I love to just put on a Netflix show or a podcast while I do this because it's something very like mindless. And another reason I love our planner is because 
If I had our planner last year and I'm using our planner this year, I can easily copy over information because our planner keeps the same layout, the same templates. I can open up last year's planner and for example, account information. So all my logins for websites, I can lasso it, copy it, and then just paste it into our planner. So it makes it like super, super easy. Yeah, I love those that lasso tool. It's so nice. It's like the best feature ever. Um, so for the beginning of the school year plans, I'm going to give this as an example. I always plan more than I actually want to use for the beginning of the school year. So here's a quick tip. Um, break down your days into small increments that can easily have like fun and engaging activities or that allow you to go over necessary rules and routines. You can do either like a 20 minute or a 30 minute, but what Whatever it is, something that allows your kids to be able to focus, right? It depends on the age and grade level that you're working with. You will want to break them down into these increments. Find activities, games, quiet time activities, anything that you really want to think of for kids to be able to work on during these increments, if that makes sense. The goal is to keep these short and simple. No need to give kids really big projects at the beginning of the year. Instead, find things that will really help to kind of build community and that allow you to get to know your students. So plan around maybe 10 or 15 of these items and then keep them on the back burner so that as you can, as you need them, you can pull them out and use them with your classroom. And I just want to say, because Bridget, you've mentioned this before, but I think it's important to say again you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can use the same activities you used last year. You don't have to create new activities every year, even though to you, you're like, well, I've done this before. Your kids haven't. So it's okay to reuse things. Absolutely. All right. The next category is classroom setup. This is the fun category. (laughs) At least if you enjoy organizing and decorating, otherwise it might be stressful. This category is all about getting your classroom set up, obviously. Again, if you go back and listen to episode 084, top five organizational mistakes to avoid this school year, you will get a ton of great ideas about how to organize your materials effectively. But this category includes things like setting up your bulletin boards, checking your technology, setting up your teacher desk, arranging the student desks, hanging up posters, all of those types of items. And because this is such a hefty category, um, I always want to go hefty, hefty, hefty. Sorry, I had to do it, (laughs) guys. Whippy, whippy, (laughs) whippy. You may need to really prioritize and give specific timeframes for when you want to have certain items completed by. This will really help you keep from feeling overwhelmed and ensure that you're getting the items that need to be done first without getting sidetracked. So remember, you can always work on your classroom as you go and build it as a community. Yeah, personally, one of the biggest tips I can give for this category is just to keep it simple. Obviously, if you are a first-year teacher, you have to figure out what is going to work for you in terms of organization and setup. But after that, you can keep a lot of the elements exactly the same. When I switched from second grade to fourth grade, I had to figure out what bulletin boards I wanted and how I could arrange the desks because previously I had tables. But after my first year in fourth grade, I kept the exact same bulletin boards and the exact same desk set up. So it was very easy to get this category completed. Now, even if you switch classrooms, which I had to do two years ago, you can keep the same general setup and just adapt it to fit your new room. But a lot of like the heavy thinking, if you will, is done because you already have the general idea of how you're going to organize it. 
And you've also kind of identified what really works for you as a teacher too. Mm -hmm. And so that really helps. Um, So as first year teachers, you may find yourself kind of changing things out for the first few years. But once you start to kind of get really comfortable in the curriculum and what you're teaching and how you work and, you know, do everything as a teacher, it's going to get so much easier. Yep, I agree. Okay, let's go into the next category, which is going to be assessment materials. So assessments really drive our school year. We all know that. And so defining how you're going to organize and maintain this information is going to be really important. So be sure to check with your admin about how you should be maintaining these records before creating your own system. There is no reason for you having two separate systems. So some examples of assessment materials can be student portfolios, data binders, sped reference, sheets, etc. Now, obviously your school or district may dictate how these need to be kept, but you can always make small changes in order to fit your needs. So for example, I have always had to complete FMP testing, which is Faunus and Pinnell testing. So it's the benchmark assessment system. And that was a way for us to gauge our students' reading levels. Even when I was only teaching math and science, I would still have to perform the testing on my homeroom students. Now, if you are familiar with FMP testing, there is a kit where all the materials are stored. So think of a like rectangular box. It gets very crammed, okay? There's a lot of like folders in there. And then within the folders, there's like the books, but also the recording sheets. And if you're like me, you would make a lot of extra copies of the recording sheets because there is nothing worse than sitting down with a kid. They move up a level, you get out the book and you're like, I don't have a recording sheet for it. It's the worst. So I would make a ton of copies to stock up, but then that box would get super crammed and it would be very difficult for me to perform the testing. So I actually took out all of the folders and papers from the kit and I stored them in like a plastic filing bin, like one of those square ones from Target. They're very cheap and that way there was more space. So instead of being a rectangle, it was larger and it was more of like a square shape, if you will. So each year for me, um, I create file folders for each of my students. It's just the way that I kind of operate. I have like a specific color for like reading green because it's my favorite and I love reading. <laughs> it's super like, it's a super complicated system here, guys. And then I have one for math and typically it's blue because that's easier to purchase. So I will label each one of these folders for my students and then insert like a yearly progression that I have that keeps track of like all of the learning targets that I will assess with my students and then some goal sheets. I use these as like a guide for my conferences and then it makes it really easy for me when I have learners who are that I'm meeting with um, that I'm doing a meeting on. So like let's say my principal or the special education teacher says we need to meet with these parents, bring information that you need to have. I could just like pull that little folder out and be able to just kind of go to my meeting. So you can determine how you plan on storing. Um, I know for me, I just personally don't have a ton of space. So binders just were not realistic. And so I used file folders because it was a very nice tight area. um, And it was very easy for me to just grab and go. Yep. So be willing to make those changes and adapt things to fit your needs. The next category second to last category is parent information. Now, this category includes all of the items that you're going to be sharing with parents, either physically, like handing out to them, or digitally. So these these may be items that you are sending home with parents during like a meet the teacher or back to school. Bridget, what do you call that time? Is it, do you call it meet the teacher or back to school? So we have two different types. We have a, um, 
it's back to school night, like which is in typically in like September for us. And that's where parents will come in. That's a back to school night. And then we have like a meet to meet or open school. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even remember what it was. It's an open school at the very beginning of the year, but teachers are not required to have to be there. Okay. I typically am, but teachers don't have to be there. But Very that's where kids can just come in and like roam the school and just kind of see it. It's open school. But then we have a back to school night. I used to have a, a meet the teacher, which is why I always use those words, meet the teacher. I gotcha. Can't yeah, I'm kind of go. in the same boat. We had a meet the teacher. We were required to be there. It was after school hours, but it was part of our contract that like we had to be present. Mm-hmm. And then we also had like a back to school night. So um, anyway, these might be things that you're sending home with parents during that time or even sending home with students during the first week of school. So for example, a meet the teacher letter where you're kind of introducing yourself. You might have a letter explaining your behavior management system. You might have something about your schedule, a volunteer form, a media release form, a way to ask for donations, all of those types of items that are going to be sent home to parents. So we would typically pass these items out when we have meet the teachers. So to prepare in advance, some of the things that we did is we would store all of the items like in a um, that we would send home in a Google Drive folder. And this would allow us to be able to quickly edit them for that year and then just print them out in advance. And then during like a planning period, my teammates and I will use folders to help keep track of everything and just kind of make it easier to pass them out to families when they come. And then we lay them out on a visible spot. So normally if they're coming for us, we will have chairs. And so we will put one on each chair so that families don't forget it because somehow they always seem to forget it. Like they pass the table right when they come into the room and it's like, it was there and you did not pick it up. So to help solve that, we would go ahead and put it on their chair so that we knew that they were getting it. (laughs) Um, And then we would also give them a pen at the same time. So we lay these out for parents to be able to complete. Now we give them this t- this pin ahead of time so that way that they're working on it like during the, the meet the teacher or the back to school night, whatever you want to call it. And then they can give those forms back to you before they leave. A lot of parents like to just go ahead and get it done so that they can hand them back. Really easy, quick tip is outside of your classroom, create a table that has all of these bins that are separated. Take your forms and then go ahead and tape it up on the wall so that they know exactly what form needs to go in what area and have a little checklist that allows you to just kind of mark it off um, as they start to kind of get, hand those back to you. So that way it makes it easier. You already have it separated and you can check them off at the same time. Yeah. And another tip to make this even easier, because if you listen to that and you're like, that's a lot of paper, that's a lot of organizing, (laughs) you can complete as much of this digitally as possible. Obviously, it depends on your student population and their availability with technology. But I feel like after COVID, technology is a lot more readily accessible for families, which is fantastic. But you could create a Google form for families to complete instead of having physical papers, which is actually going to be easier for the families families because they're like, oh, I can just open up my phone and get this done. Fantastic. It's also going to be easier for you to store the data. So rather than keeping all these physical papers and then when the time comes, you're like trying to flip through and find the right one, you can actually use like a search and find on your computer to find exactly what you need. You can also create a Google Drive folder where you put all of these materials. Bridget mentioned having all of the files that she would have to print in a folder. 
if you're using digital files, you can still keep them all in a folder. So you can have like a digital letter that maybe you send out through like email. You can either link to that folder and have it all in one place. Make sure it's a view only link. Okay. You do not want parents going in and editing your stuff, oh, dear. but you could also send like individual links. So you could send an email where it says like, learn more about me here. And you could link specifically to that letter. And then you can give parents kind of tips or instruction on how to like bookmark that folder. So it's something that they could easily come back to. Or you can even store all of this information on a Google site. So a Google site is basically a free website that you can create through Google. And the great thing is you can actually reuse that website year after year and just go in and make small changes. So a lot of the work would already be done for you. All right, we're going to jump into the final category. Isn't that exciting? It's the final category. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, so the final category is going to be paperwork. These are going to be the items that you could get done on your couch watching a great Netflix show if that is your thing. So uh, while these items may seem really frivolous, say that word for me. Frivolous. 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 (laughs) I can't say it. They will really help you to be proactive for the remainder of the year. So paperwork items include things such as creating like a sub binder with emergency plans, creating student login information sheets, transportation lists, checklists, and so much more. Now, I love having templates for all of these paperwork items. So that way when it's time to go in and edit them. Like I already have the template ready and I'm not wasting time on that. So for example, when it comes to my sub binder and my emergency plans, I created a template years ago that I'm still using. I basically open the template, make a couple of small changes and I'm done. So if you don't already have a template, you can create one yourself or just go online and buy one. We have a lot of templates in our planners, tjontheduple.com slash store. That way you can reuse it year after year and save yourself time. As Bridget said, this is going to help you be more proactive. So the moment doesn't come when it's three o'clock in the morning and you're throwing up trying to write sub plans. Yes, I have been there. Now, I've been saying to myself a lot lately, hard now easy later. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is just a reminder that I can kind of put in the work now, which is going to make things a little bit harder for me right now, but it's going to be easier for me later on. So hard now, easy later. Yeah. So again, I know Michelle's already whispered this to you, but don't forget that we have (laughs) checklists available in our teacher digital planner, along with a completed beginning of the year checklist that we've just talked about here that will ensure that you get your year started off on the right foot. So head over to our website, www.teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to see our Google slide and tablet planners. And while you're on our website, go ahead and submit your TSH, your time-sucking hurdle. Let us know what is sucking up all of your time lately. Also, subscribe to our podcast so you are notified every time we drop a new episode. If you are not driving and you're enjoying this episode, take a screenshot and share it out on Instagram. You can tag us at Teaching on the Double, where you would love to be able to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes because we would love you forever. And why not? Like who wouldn't want that? So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.